Uh, this morning you're going to get a Reader's Digest version of my message for today, which is probably good for you, right? Um, and before I uh, press into our conversation, um, just I had announced at our annual meeting last week that I'm going to be taking a sabbatical this summer, and it's an opportunity the elders have said yes to that, and it's an opportunity for me to do a couple of things. Uh, one is uh, Terry and I have the opportunity to go to Israel this summer, and it's been on our prayer bucket list for many years. In fact, I can show you probably the last five or six journals where way in the back where I have my big prayer things, Israel. And so uh, God has just opened up the door for us to do that. So we're going to be in Israel for two weeks. We leave June 18th and we'll be back July 1. We're excited because our daughter is also going with us, which is just uh, going to be a lot of added extra fun stuff. Um, then I'm going to take a couple weeks and just go and visit some churches, some churches that are doing uh, uh, disciple-making ministry where uh, people are really focusing on uh, equipping people in the gifts of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit. And what does that look like for us and how do we do that? Um, and then I'm going to take a week or so and just... Uh, rest, do nothing, play some golf, you know. Um, while I'm gone, um, we have some people who are going to be filling in the pulpit, a couple of those pictures you recognize, you know, you recognize John and Pastor Patty and Richard, um, a couple of the others that you may not know, bottom right is Dale Lusk, Dale is a missionary that we support and in the middle on the left is John Kramka. He's from the Northwest Conference office. John was here uh, with us about five years ago when we went through our process of getting our mission and vision, and John helped us in that. So, Also, the other staff and elders will be covering uh, any other places where things need to be covered. So you will be in really, really, really good hands. So uh, be praying for us. Um, and one of the things you can be praying for me is I, I have a sciatic nerve that's affecting my hip and all that kind of stuff. So just be praying for me because it really gets aggravated when I'm up walking around. And we're going to be doing a lot of hiking for two weeks. So, um, but I'm going to, I have been inspired by Claire. If Claire can walk around, I can do it too. So I'm going to be thinking of Claire when I'm over there walking. I'm like, yeah, me and Claire, we're bros. For sure. Um, we've been talking about one another and over the last few weeks, and these are one another passages in the Bible, and we know some of them, love one another, forgive one another, some of the things that we've talked about, and one another is where you are in mutual agreement with each other. And uh, we've already talked about loving one another and what that means. Loving one another is really just an aspect of seeing each other. We had the, the story of the prodigal son where the father saw the son from a long way off. He saw him. And when we love one another, what we're doing is we're seeing each other. And God sees us. We need to see each other. We talked about forgiving one another. And... Um, 
Yeah, and, and how unforgiveness affects our health. And I shared a study from Mayo Clinic where um, if you struggle with forgiving people, you probably have a lot of anger and bitterness in your relationships. And a lot of times you bring that bitterness and anger into new relationships. This is, this is not just from the Bible. This is like Mayo Clinic research stuff, science stuff too. I love it when science and scripture go hand in hand. Uh, you, you become so wrapped up in the wrong that was done to you that you can't enjoy life right where you're at right now. Depression sets in. You become irritable and anxious. Um, you, it can affect your actual physical health. And so we, the challenge was, again, to forgive each other. And that unforgiveness is like cancer within our own bodies and even in the church when, when there's unforgiveness in the church. Today we're just going to spend a few minutes talking about humility and in, where it says value one another, in humility, value one another above yourself. And humility is one of those things that is sometimes hard to understand, especially in our me first culture, because sometimes our culture has this kind of picture of humility right here. You ready? Perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. Cause I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. Well, we'll stop right there. That is my theme song, I just want you to know. No. <laughs> oh, wow. Needless to say, we all know this, humility in the kingdom of God is just the opposite of that. And in fact, in Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others or one another above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Humility is this tendency to value or assess oneself appropriately. Um, and it's in the, in the Greek, the word humility is a compound word, and the first part is an adjective that describes not rising far from the ground. Okay? So that would remind me of Corey Olson's uh, jumping ability. I love you, brother. Uh, the other part of this word is, is a noun that talks about the heart or the mind, the place where we perceive and understand and judge. And so humility is this not perceiving or thinking of yourself very highly. We probably have heard a definition of humility as being humility is not is not thinking of yourself as less than others. It's thinking of yourself less. Which is a good definition, but I, but I think there's more to it, and we'll see this in just a few minutes as we just point out a couple of things in, from Scripture. 
Jesus talks about humility in Luke, and Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's got the Pharisees and religious leaders after him, and they're trying to catch him in things. And then Jesus says this in Luke 18, he says this, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked on, down on everyone else. Um, you got to like that, right? Do, do you know of anybody who is confident? of their own righteousness, and they kind of look down on people, you could just call them a Pharisee, right? Uh, Maybe not to their face, right? Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And I want you to notice the contrast. Often, when Jesus tells a parable, he tells extreme contrast so that we kind of get the point. We saw this a couple weeks ago when we talked about forgiveness, and the one guy, uh, the master forgave this guy, like, years and years of, of money compared to when this guy turned around and wouldn't forgive the person who owed him, which was just a few days' worth of money. But here's the contrast, too. The Pharisees, they were the most respected people in the community. They, had like, they were like the top people. And if you wanted to be somebody in the society back then, you wanted to be a Pharisee. Tax collector, on the other hand, they were thought of as traitors. Why? Because they were Jewish people, and they worked for the Roman Empire, collecting taxes from their own people. So you see that contrast. Jesus goes on, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I mean, can't can't you just hear and see the arrogance that is just rolling out of this person's prayer? Oh, wow. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Wow, this guy is amazing. Hey, just want to know, how many fast twice a week and give a tenth of all the... No, just kidding. I won't ask. Jesus goes on, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility happens when I take my eyes off of others and gaze upon God and His righteousness and holiness. You see, if if I look at somebody else, I can feel pretty good about myself. I'm a pretty righteous person. And so it it wouldn't take me long in our society to find somebody that I am more righteous than. That's that's not telling how good I am. That's just telling how bad our, our world is. But it's different if I'm looking at God, who is holy, who is righteous. When I look at him, all of a sudden, holy cow, I, I'm not even close. I am like that tax collector. 
Paul talks about this a little bit in Romans 12. He's talking about all of us being a part of the body of Christ and everyone who is a follower of Jesus, a part of the body of Christ. We don't have the same functions. We, we, we uh, all are gifted in different ways. And so if you're a leader, lead. If you're a teacher, some of you are teachers will then teach. Some of you have the gift of prophecy. Some of you are encouragers. Whatever your gift is, you're important, but not it, nobody is more important than anybody else. And uh, Paul says in Romans 12, 9, he says this, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. You see that? Honor one another above yourself. So really what you're doing when you honor one another You're bringing value to that person. You're saying, you know what? You have really important value for this body. This this is what we talked about back in January in the Bless series. Remember the Bless series is when you bless somebody, you give give them value, you, you raise their value. And so through words, either written or spoken, you can add value to somebody. When you do this, when you honor one another above yourselves, you bring value to them. And as we know, the kingdom of God is all about the other. Am I loving one another? Am I forgiving one another? Am I valuing others above myself? And Christ, Christ is our example. And I read this before communion, Philippians 2.5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. And so this time I'm going to read Philippians 2, but I'm going to read it in the message version because I like the way the message says this. Listen to Jesus, our example. Think of yourselves the way Christ thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. That's our example. That's humility. That's what it looks like. So as I said earlier, one of the ways that people define humility is humility is not thinking of yourself as less than others, but it is thinking of yourself less. And I got wondering as I was preparing this week, what if humility, there's a different definition of humility. What if humility is not thinking of yourself as less than others, but thinking of others as equal or above yourself? What, what if that's humility? I mean, I, <clears throat> it seems kind of weird, right? Think of somebody else as more important than you are or having more value. Listen to these words from Paul to his mentee, 
Timothy. 1 Timothy 1. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. You see, what Paul is telling Timothy there is humility begins when I focus on God and my relationship with God. The Pharisee looks at everybody else and says, I'm better than the tax collector. Paul looks at God and says, I am the worst of sinners. Now, I know for some of us, we have a hard time with, well, you know, you can't call yourself a sinner, call yourself one who is saved because, you know, Christ has forgiven your sins, and yes, that's all true, that, that, that's all done, all that kind of stuff. But notice the interesting wording that Paul uses here. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. This was towards the end of Paul's ministry life. And he is saying he is the worst of sinners. Present tense. Now, that doesn't mean we go around hanging our hands, well, I'm the worst, I'm the worst, I'm the worst. Paul says that to show the incredible example of God's mercy and grace that is shown to all of us. Humility begins when I realize that before the throne of grace without Jesus Christ, I am trash. That is the truth. So who am I then to look at anybody else and say, I'm better than you? The way I look at somebody else is, you know what? I'm the worst of sinners, but by God's grace and his mercy, I am forgiven. I am made righteous, and so are you. And so you and I, we're equal. We're on the same plane. One of us is not better than the other. So as we wrap up this morning, remember, in humility, value one another above yourself. Remember that you're no better than anybody else. That we are all children of God. That we have all been set free and forgiven by the mercy and grace of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being a God of mercy and a God of grace. Again, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross so that even though we stepped into this relationship, the worst of sinners, you have made us whole, that you have made us righteous in your eyes. You have reconciled us to God. And I pray, Father, that we would, each and every day, in humility, value one another above ourselves.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take and stand for our benediction, and then we will dismiss you. If you feel so uh, moved, you can hold your hands out in a posture of receiving. And now I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that he would enlighten the eyes of your heart, that you may know the hope that he's called you to, that you may know the glorious inheritance that we have with all the saints, and that you may know his incredibly great power for us who believe, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace.